Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Tamika Brown. And we are biracial unicorns. And I'll sit with Bernie any day, anywhere. Yes! <laughs> One of my favorite things I, well, not favorite, but sad truths I read was, oh, Americans really will put Bernie anywhere except the White House. I know. Is that not the most <laughs> passive aggressive shady McShade you have ever heard? <laughs> I, I was it's like, true, but yeah, I love it because it's yeah, true. Absolutely, absolutely. And just in, just in case you have not been on the internet in three years. <laughs> Just in case I don't want to put anybody out. Bernie Sanders, who did quite a few times try to run for president democratically, <laughs> he he uh, is now very famously pictured at the inauguration, sitting in a dark forest green sensible coat with these iconic mittens, just sitting in a folding chair wearing a mask. And now he has been inputted, planted, gift gift jpegged every everywhere humanly possible and i am here for every single one i love them i don't think i've seen one that has not brought me joy it was almost my happy place but i figured it was gonna be both of our happy places Mm. so i thought let's just just go ahead just just get it get it right out the gate yeah (laughs) exactly exactly what has been oh what has been your favorite i have to know I like the one with him and the Wu-Tang Clan. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There have been some really good ones. A friend of mine sent me one that was like him wrestling someone. It was just like so well done. It really took advantage of his stance. Mm -hmm. I like the recreations, I think. Like him in My Neighbor Totoro. Mm. Drawn in that Ghibli style, which yes. I really liked. I saw a crocheted one that was really good. Love that one. Need <laughs> How it. About you, what's your favorite? So I did say that uh, my neighbor Totoro. I think the Spirited Away one as well. I thought that was really something. I don't know why I thought it was sweet. I was like, that's mm. really sweet. I I'm really basic. I there's one of course in the famous Forrest Gump bench. Mm. I thought, oh, that was really well done. I think that's the thing too. I think everyone's got Photoshop. Everyone was home working on their computers, so now everyone's very shabby, like savvy at Photoshop. So I really, really enjoy that. But actually, believe it or not, my absolute favorite that brought me to tears was just him in the original photo with just the word saying this could have been an email. And I don't know why. I just, I don't know why I thought, does everything, is anything I've just brought you to absolute fits of laughter and you just think it's it's layers upon layers of just build up or whatever you have on your mind. And I think just reading that was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I felt that way. That one's definitely probably um, top favorite. I think I've seen one where he sat next to Sad Keanu. So it's like two of my worlds that I really mm-hmm. enjoy combined is very, very classic. Someone just had him on the Jerry Springer show, like a little clip they put him in and I didn't know it was coming. And I think the last one I thought was particularly shady that someone put Bernie Sanders as the fly in Pence's hair. <laughs> the famous That's fly good. during yeah. the debate. That one I thought was like... kiss in the air perfection yeah there's so many i think it's just you know it represents a whole mood that Mm -hmm. we all are currently living in so i think so too i think 
another reason why people are so drawn to it is that it's just it's him and his authenticity like mm. it's just it that's the same bernie we saw two weeks ago seven years ago two decades that is that is him and i think we want to laugh and talk about how he was dressed but that's always been him we have always been focused on how he physically comes off or he has the same blue button down shirt but that's that's him he's always gonna be him and people whether they know it or not are really drawn to someone who is authentically unapologetically themselves this guy came to an inauguration as bernie left as bernie gonna always be bernie (laughs) yeah it's true what a month (laughs) what a month Uh, Mm, so many things so Um, many things 2021 I would love to just focus on Bernie personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. I, uh, um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I feel like every week it's like all this has happened in the past week. It shows no sign of slowing down, I don't mm-hmm. think. No, I feel 2021 is just like, oh, oh, I will not be outdone by my predecessor 2020. I just already feel she came out because I'm putting the, the, the female tense on it. She will not be outdone. And of course, we, we can't go any further without the inauguration. But what I also found really powerful about the inauguration and Danny and I messaged each other talking about that we were both hot messes during such <laughs> the inauguration Yeah, was just a week ago. Prior to that, I was having to explain to my daughter what was happening in the Capitol. Mm. And so just to have a shift from talking about one major event in our history to another one in such a short span of time was so on brand of what we've been feeling like over the last year. And of course, I'm mentioning the storming of the Capitol. Yeah. What do you think about all the language surrounding that? Like, some people are calling it coup, attempted coup, insurrection, protest, treason, Mm. terrorism. There have been so many words thrown around to describe what it is. And you can use any of those words and people know exactly what you're talking about. But I know. I feel like I'm, I keep returning to this idea of clarity around language and specific language like what what do you think is the best language to describe what happens at the capitol on january 6th Mm -hmm. so i i actually had this conversation with my husband about when you look it up they say also known as aka aka it feels like a rapper's name they're all aka storm aka like aka and i agree the reason why we try to pick our words carefully because words matter I I think it was terror. I think it was a terrorist attack. Because the thing is, if if this had been any other group than the group that did it, does that make sense? If you would have put any kind of melanin, if you would have put any kind of other sign, I think they would have said it was a terrorist attack. Mm. I I feel like that that is the reason why we have a hard time deciding exactly what to call it. Mm. And I th- the, the other part of this is that, yes, there was people there on uh, on a protest. There were people there who were outside. And because of such a large, I mean, thousands of people, right? And of course, you know, we've talked about before, you can't judge a whole movement by the portion that decides to go radical, funny, funny. But I, I do feel like if this was anybody else, I do feel it would be an act of terror. 
Yeah, I think terror is is a way to describe it. I heard recently, um, oh, I wish I had I had kept the citation, but there was someone talking on NPR talking about her issue with calling it terrorism mm. because she felt that it almost it almost makes it too easy to distance ourselves from it um, just because of our history with the word terrorism and treating it as something outside. And and we can see this again and again, particularly when we're talking about, like you said, a certain group performing these sort of acts. So for me, I, I don't I don't personally have a problem with with using that word, but mm-hmm. I think that it is an interesting thing to consider in my mind. It's important to tie up white supremacy with what happens. I know that it's it's a complicated issue. There's a lot of surrounding it. But to me, it was very much white terror. <laughs> mm. And so I think that that's an important distinction to make. And we live in a country that was birthed in white terror. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there. I think in in just my normal everyday speech, I I really struggle with what to call it. Same. Like like attempted coup? Mm, insurrection. Uh, <laughs> insurrect. That's something to settle on in the long term because right now <laughs> everyone knows exactly what you're referencing. Exactly. And because even for me, I was just – because I – I first shied away from saying, because I would actually have been like, oh, Tara, I mean, they're, they're lunatics. I'm like, but what do those lunatics have in common? And what was their goal? And I think when we go forward and trying to pinpoint the name, I think whenever we have something like this, what was the ultimate goal and the showing of power and the threat? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm just like, well, it was domestic terrorism. And you're right, there is a separation because then, like I said, I was like, oh, it almost excuses it. Well, of course, they are terrorists, domestic terrorists. But I think it was in the past years of trying to, when we talk about white supremacy, of putting it in the category of which it belongs into. Not normalizing it's the wrong word, but making it more so of a home thing and not looking at it as in a way that's over there. Oh, that's what those people do. But it is it is hard. I find myself switching back and forth treason. And that's kind of what when I when I talk about it in the home, I'm just like, you know, the treasonous acts against our country. And it was it is difficult. I don't I don't know how we're ever going to settle on that. But I do feel like we 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 know what we're talking about. We were supposed to storm Area 51, guys. Yes. Yes. Why didn't that happen? That was the thing we were supposed to do. Not this, guys. (laughs) It's one of those things that's just a, a result of how fragmented mm. we are right now as as a nation. And I think we're we're living in this world of extreme partisanship. We're living in this world where it's easy to to write off the rioters as extremists. Mm-hmm. But I think there needs to be a lot of action, but there also needs to be a lot of in- introspection mm-hmm. that comes comes from this. Because I think right now we exist in this world where the majority of us are just like too ready to believe that we're right mm. and reluctant to consider that we might be wrong. And I think that is the birthing of this. And I think, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and be like, they're white supremacists and they're wrong. But I think it's that that attitude of writing off that has continued to widen 
the gulf between us. Mm. But on the other hand, I'm like, I, I do get into this thought space of considering how strong my convictions are and how strong this other yeah. side's convictions are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can see why they would write me off as crazy. But at the end of the day, even if I am crazy, my form of crazy doesn't align me with Nazis. Mm-hmm, and girl. so I think I think if you look around and there are Nazis in line with you, then you should recognize that you might be wrong in this situation. <laughs> it's like you might be a redneck, those horrible jokes. Like you you might yeah. be in the wrong group if yeah, that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that that's wanna, my current. <laughs> not that I want to quote Jeff Foxworthy, but I'm just saying, I, I think that is perfect to, when you look at that group, like you said, it's very easy to, but when you're talking about the rights that people have and making sure that the rights that you want to still possess in order to, to, to disagree and to exercise your amend- a mental rights, you have to still see that through the lens of a group of people that you disagree with that you're at odds with and you still have to reflect that and look at that lens and think about well where were they where were they within their rights and where was that that line cross and I had to keep telling myself of that of that parallel and that flux of how could we have avoided this from happening what was that and of course the white privilege white supremacy all those filters into in that introspection of like why did I feel such dread and hurt and anger and filtering through that you know have Mm. you ever tried to um separate a yolk from the whites of an egg and you have to kind of keep doing this balancing act and being very careful. It's very delicate in weighing those thoughts. And I think that's why today we wanted to spend some time and because words matter <laughs> and actions matter and talking about protests. Mm. Yeah. Before we get into that, I would not call what happened on January 6th a protest. Would yes. you? No, I would not. But I've been we're talking about people have been calling it that and that has been the argument towards <laughs> towards why have there been so many arrests? Why are people having some feeling some kind of way? What has been the call to it? That do we not have the right to do that? When I think it is very clear to me that was not a protest, mm-hmm. and so that's why I thought it was really important for us to come here and make that very very clear. And when you're talking about names and what to call this, let's let's call it what it's not, and it is not a protest. Yes. Agreed. Well, okay. So what is your definition of a protest? Maybe that'll help like (laughs) us wrap our mind around why this is not a protest. I actually have to be very transparent with this before. If you go with a basic definition of a protest, it's this public display, this expression of this disapproval or rejection of, of, of something or an action. If you go with the basic, basic Webster or Cambridge or very elementary definition mm. of what it is, it's this public expression of not. No, thank you. Disapproval of objection. Do I believe that this particular group... <laughs> That's how it might have started. Mm. And that's, once again, it's filtering through that. Do I actually believe? I believe some people went there with the intention of treason. I do believe that. Do I also believe there was a group that actually went there and have gone there? Because it's a group. It's like a a groupie group that went there originally to protest their disapproval and their objection. Yes, because they were in their rights to do so. And that was really hard for me to swallow and be like, yes, they have that 
that right. So that that's the basic one. How how would you describe it? Yeah, no, I would agree with everything you said. I think some of it is intense. Mm-hmm. So I agree there are people who, probably not everyone, mm-hmm. but I think there were people who had intention of invading and um, doing various other activities that to me dismantles the idea of a protest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was less about voicing an objection in order to promote change and more more rooted in taking the action of mm. of invasion and um, forcibly taking taking back whatever it is um, <laughs> the vote and I think for me one of the biggest parts that sets it apart from being a protest is that it was rooted in and driven by the president of the United States. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You got to the niggity center. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it felt less like democracy and more like fascism. Um, and I know those are like strong words to use. When you're violently storming a government building, that's how it felt to me. Mm. I don't know. And because and because the message at the root of it was about defying a fair and fair in um, <laughs> that's a whole different conversation oh, fair girl. and free vote presidential election mm-hmm. in my mind that's that's very much rooted in fascism I I think if if anything we should be celebrating that somehow there were a lot of people whose voices were heard despite disenfranchising large numbers of voters, which still happened, and yet the election still didn't go the way that the people doing that disenfranchisement wanted it to go. Exactly. It was a show of, I'm not trusting the the democratic way of which I even held this office because I know better. Hmm. And there was a lot of, a lot of fear in that. And I was talking about, it made democracy seem very fragile in my Mm. opinion at that very Mm. moment and i know i have to be once again very careful with what we say and the words that we're using are very strong but if you see footage especially i think at first i what i thought was very interesting is that they had like a lot of close-up stills of people the few people the scant people that were in the the capital at the time but when they did the massive pan out that is when you realize the language needs to be strong. It needs to be direct. It needs to call it what it is. And the fact that we had this uh, held and ignited uh, by the former president of the United States is is reason to use such strong language. So that that first and foremost, that's where we kind of lost the protest. It should have been a voice, not a force. Sorry, I, I get really not like choked up about it, but when I think people use the word protest to use something like what happened on January 6th to defend it and to define it, I can't help but think about other ways and other 
protests throughout history, whether it's for the Vietnam War, women's vote, civil rights, of thinking about it. And it's like overturning a vote that we all agree as American citizens that this is what we're putting our trust in, how we elect, even though once again, it's been checked over and checked over and listening to these voices and making sure, like you said, it's fairly and equally done, you know, yeah. <laughs> as, as yeah. much as one can. And still like the distrust of being like, we're still not trusting in the outcome because it's still not what we want. That it, to, to me, it just shows like a very, a distrust, a, a fragility. It just, it sparks an underlining root issue that I'm, I will say this, it did hopefully awaken a few more. Every time we have something like this, I feel like there are more people where the shingles mm. are coming off the eyes, where it's yeah. that hard jolt. Not everybody, obviously, but I did see, you know, like with George Floyd, it's the seeing it it's the manifestation it's the tangible evidence of this is what white supremacy looks like we had people who were in the military people who worked in bakeries banks moms dads uncles these are these are you know these are not all people dancing around in white hoods and i found from some (laughs) non-americans that i know (laughs) what what was being said was Wow, it's crazy that people from all over the country <laughs> went to Washington D.C. to do this, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's what happened during a pandemic. Yep. Can we not forget <laughs> during a pandemic? Sorry, I shouldn't be clapping into the. <laughs> and I want to I want to go into this just a little bit. I don't think we have to talk about it for too long, but it's worth mentioning because you did bring up George Floyd and then the protests that followed as as kind of a comparison of a, another time when we're seeing more and more people's eyes open. There has been a lot of comparison in mm-hmm. the media between what happened on January 6th and the BLM the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. protests of the last seven months. Thoughts? Feelings? I have them. <laughs> I'm just going to go with one major difference. And this is hard because I, like I said, I have all of the feelings. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the use of the use of force mm-hmm. is one of the hugest ones. Like, well, there were looters and there were rioters at the BLM protests. And I'm not going to deny that. Not whatsoever. But what I'm saying when it came to the response to said is where I see the stark difference in that. The intention, once again, that we see that of reaching out for justice for the murder of George Floyd, as opposed to the overturning of a, of a vote yeah. that had already been tried. It's, it's the outcome. There's this outcry for justice and reform. Once again, we're expressing our disapproval of the justification, which is underneath, which we're allowed to do underneath our elemental right. This was a cry out for the, a certain way of a certain outcome. And once again, when I see the two different ones, one of the biggest ones that is just the, the absolute use of, of force and what mm-hmm. was driving it as opposed to not an, uh, an emotional kick as opposed to I have so many feelings uh, living in Washington State. Like I said, at the time that I did uh, downtown in our, in our capital, they had uh, Black Lives Matter protests and, and you know that that were going on and there was some damage done and once again those, those were addressed in all over the internet i heard about how much damage this had been done by this and how destructive this really really was but then at the same time now and since then we've had people up into the uh, inauguration of people for the trump's administration down there causing just as much damage 
causing just as much chaos and I haven't really heard anything. And and to me, I have a, a hard time when to me, it's very, very clear the, the difference between these two. And so, like I said, that was the motivation of really wanting to talk to it today of the comparison between the two. As the, as the kids say on the TikTok, it, it was the force for me. Uh, on both mm. on both ends, the amount and intensity of the the force and the intention of using force in order to get one's way. There's a, a showing of solidarity and voice and and power and presence is what I think protests are supposed to be for. And whether you should be participating in them or not is is how I kind of decide. And and I love the way that uh, you said, Danny, about looking around you when you're thinking about joining in a, a protest of like, who is with me? What are they actually saying? And with everything going on, we kind of want to talk a little bit about how, how we participate, why we participate. Do you have to participate in a protest to be able to be part of, of a movement and kind of getting some thoughts about that in order to give people kind of action on what to do because the amount of protests I think I feel have really been on an uptick in the last seven, eight months. And, and I think there has been the, a lot of questions towards that and being able to answer a little bit of that today. So um, I don't know, have you, what is your, what is your record with protests, Danny? Um, I mean, I've been to a fair amount of protests. I think my, my first protest was in high school, so many, many years of protesting. I wouldn't say like I'm not I'm not a person who's at every protest, uh, but I do go out for things. I do have like a a short story I could share when I was in high school, and we did a walkout when the Iraq War was officially started, and walked from our high school to the local university and there was like a bigger bigger protest anyway long story short my picture ended up in the newspaper (laughs) (laughs) which was a thing like we ended up being suspended for walking out my mom knew i was gonna do it was kind of pissed that i got suspended about it because she didn't mind that i was leaving school to do it uh, but that's a whole other thing <laughs> whole uh, other kettle of fish <laughs> yes there was like a little bit of personal pushback um, in my life because of it mm. because i like you i have various members of the military in my family in my extended family and i had some very extended family members thinking that what I was doing was anti-military and were upset about it rather than kind of looking at it as like we've talked about before, like rooted in love and care um, about people in the world um, and not necessarily anti-family, anti-military, anti-specific family members who were in the military. Yeah. So I think, you know, that that is a consideration anytime that you protest the larger impacts of it, right? Mm -hmm. And how people are going to take it might not always align with what your intention in doing it was. Mm -hmm. Mind you, uh, it's a, that was a really big thing going on in our high school at the time. It's a, that, that is really clear about when you're asking yourself, 
do I participate and why? I think you do have to do that. There is that introspection and outro, like one, why am I doing this? What am I trying to say? And what do I want to get done with this display? But also what is, like I said, the the group purpose? What is the the group focus? I think another definition or differentiation between Black Lives Matter and the, the storming of the Capitol was there's this this is how we want this justice to be here. We want these solutions. We want these fixes. And this was just a right, complete overturn of <laughs> how we do our, our government. Does that make sense? There was like, mm. we want we want transparency with voting. We want this. We want that. Like, we want this in order to overturn properly to this. Does that make sense? As well, opposed to the whole, the whole, uh, rally that mm-hmm. led to it was called take america back or something yeah. right and i think that is a key difference between the black lives matter protests and the attempted coup where like one was rooted in taking back mm-hmm. and the other was rooted in um gaining humanity for a group of people who have been denied humanity exactly. um, in our country <laughs> so big big huge swath of difference and i think you but you have to ask those questions of even people who are going to these to these rallies what did you want to get from that if your goal was to completely overturn like i said to take things back that but i'm not going to say like it's not constructive because that's not strong enough but that's that's the vibe i'm getting it was the how do you want to take it back you want to physically take it back and not, there was nothing going through the proper channels. What was going through legislative, what justice, what, you know, wrongdoing did you want to be undone? And how did you want to go about that? None of that. And I, and I think for, for that protest of things of that nature, just being like, why and the how these questions have to be very, very clear. And that, that intention within yourself and within that group, it's hard. You can't control the group and you can't control what it's going to do. And that's why you have to be, I think, very mindful about protesting. Mm, very mindful, but also I think it's very important. And we've seen this with the Black Lives Matter protests. If you're able to be out there and be another voice in another body in a sea of voices and bodies, like that is so incredibly important. Mm. Being able to show show the tides of the world, it makes a lot of sense in in response to larger societal actions, larger government actions, larger actions by the powers that be, that numbers become mm-hmm. incredibly important. And I think that that is rooted in the Black Lives Matter protests of the last seven months and the last several years is the amount of people who want to see that systemic change is quite high. And I think like going back to my example of the Iraq war protest, that was also important then because it it becomes who is the audience for, for this, right? Mm -hmm. Who, who are we hoping to impact by being out there and whose hearts and minds are we trying to change or whose hearts and minds are we trying to reach? And I think with, with the Iraq war, it was important because it was mm, showing a number of the population was against going to war, which is important when, you know, actions are being taken on the global stage in the name of an entire country. Mm. It's also important to recognize that there are large amounts of 
the country who might be in opposition to that. With Black Lives Matter, it's important because once again, like I mentioned, it's about humanity and recognizing people and recognizing these systemic inequalities that have led to actual death because of them Mm. and demanding change for that. Whereas the coup, the attempted coup, perhaps you could make the argument in a similar fashion. But I think for me, a, a key difference was it wasn't about change. It was about upholding power for someone who has lost power. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, it didn't feel like, like I said, a voice of the people. It felt like a voice of a singular leader giving orders. It, it sounded like a general mm. telling mm-hmm. their, their army right. to giving out orders. It was very reminiscent of uh, my, my dad used to watch this movie. It's a very old patent about uh, about a, a real life general during the time that he has this very famous quoted uh, speech he gives to the, to his men beforehand and he's standing in front of an oversized flag with his helmet and stars on his chest gleaming and he's just, you know g- getting in there and taking back the enemy and that that's when I listen to it. Mm. It's very reminiscent of that beginning scene in Patton of where you're informing your troops and giving them orders Mm. and why you're doing this. That's a really interesting point because that has been a huge hallmark of this recent Black Lives Matter protest is there is not a singular Mm -hmm. leader. Like there isn't a person who is leading the charge with this. And it does feel very different than what happened earlier this year, where there was clearly somebody leading the charge. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that was another thing that was very like, wow, this is very reminiscent of something else, but not protest. It didn't feel like a will of a people that was obviously <laughs> carried out by a large group of people. It seemed like a very singular mindset and like soldiers literally like if you know i have you know a lot of family in the military that's exactly what it sounded like they are carrying out this particular order and did it with fervor and with duty and with purpose mm. very very much so it was their honor too that was they were, it was something they were supposed to do it was something that they you know obviously chose to do but there seemed something much much bigger like i said carrying out a specific order to do so so there, there are these contrasts that, like I said, I think to us, it makes it quite, quite clear. And once again, words matter. And we don't want to put those two things on the same same line, the same pedestal, the same group, because we do not need those. those even though they're getting different outcomes, we don't need those different outcomes. <laughs> yes, they, sh- yes. they should be handled completely different. So when you put them on the same plane, they start becoming handled different and be- are handled same and then taking out the same and the same results and nah we this is not what we're looking for yeah agreed agreed it's uh it's actually funny using your example because like i said danny and i went to high school together i did not participate in that walkout because for me i disagreed with the war very heavily but like i said i lived on base my family my dad was in the military had a lot of people in it and to me i had not reconciled yet what that looks like to support my family who was already a part of it 
And like I said, I had um, I had actually missed school because they had locked down the bases because of everything that had gone on with 9-11 and the real danger that was. And for me, I had no clue how to even begin to separate those two worlds of like what Danny said of like, am I going to be anti-military and say that I don't support my family? I don't support this community at the time that I had in doing this action because I took it that seriously. And I had not I didn't know where to begin with that. I knew I was angry. I knew once again that this is not what I wanted. This affected my family in a very deep personal level and I didn't participate. And so that actually answers a great question of, do you have to participate in a protest to be part of a movement? Mm. I think there is this misconception that like the protest and the movement are, are one mm-hmm. where in my mind, a protest is part of a movement, mm. right? So you can participate in a movement without being part of a protest. Mm. I do like that. When I was organizing a protest in college for uh, different abled people, that was something I was really passionate about. Of course, you know, I wanted a voice. Of course, I wanted participants. Of course, you wanted bodies. Of course, you want people there. Because once again, it's about that display. It's about numbers, isn't it? It's a numbers game. But I also had people who just said, hey, can I donate? Right. You know, can I can I donate to this? Can I even make signs, but I won't be able to attend to it? Or, I, you know, it's not something I feel comfortable with. And things of that nature. For whatever reason, there was no judging there. And I found that just as helpful of people making signs, signing petition, donating financially to that, that I actually found to be just as uh, impactful as well. For someone, for me, like I said, personally, I'm very particular, for lack of a better word, uh, about the protest. I do I do a lot of research, a lot of thoughts. I always want to make sure like I have the right intentions. And I'm also prepared for what will happen as well. Because once again, you cannot control. So I have to be very prepared for that. If I'm in that place, then I will participate. But I, I agree. I don't think you have to. It is part of it. And I believe that there it is an impactful part of it. But that's not the end all to be all, I believe. And I, I think that it's also important to note the inverse of that, too, is I don't think if you're truly part of a movement, just showing up to a protest is mm. probably not enough. You know, mm. I'm sorry, your mic wasn't on full blast. Hang on. Let me just turn <laughs> that up for the, for the last bit. Because let me, I'm, I'm not going to hijack, but when they had like the women's women's march every year, I'm just like, I don't see none of y'all women doing anything else throughout the entire year. But if you're going to wear a pink hat and hold a sign on the right. day of, can we, can we just talk at least? <laughs> like, right. It's like feel good activism. Like uh, you're in a crowd, you know, like there is an actual feeling you get. Yeah being in a protest, being in the crowd. And it's getting that dopamine fix. And then you can just go home and not do anything any different. (laughs) Like that isn't being part of a a movement in my mind, just because you showed up for one protest. (sighs) Let's see, because when you say it, it sounds really intelligent. But if I say it, it's going to sound mad. So thank you. I, I agree. And this is this is this is not to discourage anyone if they're just starting into the world of social justice to show up to one and figure out where they stand and once again do that introspective of why you're doing it. That that's not to hinder anyone. It cannot stop at just the hit. It cannot just stop with just being a public display. It is 
it's an all encompassing life choice that you're consciously doing. You're never going to get it perfectly right from someone who doesn't get it perfectly right. But it, it can't just be the signs, the hat, then you go get a taco and then you're, you're done. Like, it can't be that. Yeah, but on the other hand, just to keep like keep playing all the sides, um, I I also want to caution people against feeling like like there's a metric that you have to measure yourself against to be truly invested. I don't think yes, the aim, the goal, perhaps should be like it becomes your life, but also you can't be so caught up. For most people, you cannot be so caught up in a movement that it overshadows everything else in your life. Like, there also has to be a point where you are living. Mm. There are people who make it their life's work and their life's mission to, like, live and breathe, like, an entire movement. And I think that that is beautiful and that is necessary work. I do not think that that is a reasonable expectation for most people Mm. there's a balance Mm. within it agreed i think that that is okay to live that balance so i think i'm trying to like from all of our different asides if i could sum it up would you think it is living a life of protest mindfulness and looking at that if in my life where can i just have a natural mindfulness of what I'm doing and how that goes towards a certain cause without it being all consuming. Mm. Like if there, if there's something going on and being organized mindfulness of, can I participate in this? Is this something I can do? And how can I be mindfulness of carrying this feeling? Cause you're right. Afterward, you do feel good. You do feel empowered. You get to exercise your first amendment rights. Now, how can I just be mindful of making sure if I'm going to go, for example, to, uh, BLM protests, how can I make sure that I'm also living in that part of, of my life in, in ways that I can? Like I said, you're not going to get it perfect. Um, if you're going for environmental reasons, if you go to that, how can I just be mindful in my life of still literally walking the walk? If I'm going to walk in a protest, how can I still do that in my life? How can I also talk the walk and walk the talk? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, I think mindfulness is a big part of that that's really important to consider. I think the other aspect that's really important to consider to go back to this wider conversation we're having is critical thought, is critical thinking. Um, I think that the complexity of any of these issues that would warrant a protest also asks you to think critically and come to your own conclusions rather than following some like prescriptive course of action laid out by somebody else um and so that that is going with what you're saying of, of this like thinking about being very mindful in how to express solidarity or change within your own life to reflect the ideals of a a protest that you're joining. I think that it requires a level of of critical thinking and learning and translating these things that you've learned into um, your own ideas of action and change within your own life, if that makes sense. You mean there's not a rubric I can There is not. There is not. There's not a nice little checklist. Deck on it. This is what they came here for. 
<laughs> we're supposed to have a checklist. Well, okay. So taking what you've just said and the critical thinking, Kim, let's end mindfulness. Now let's use that to answer some of these questions. And I think that this kind of coincide and we can try to answer them both together if you want to separate them, they can. But what place do non-Black allies have in protesting? We're just going to use specifically for Black Lives Matter. Okay. Yeah. Specifically, obviously. And then, because this is biracial unicorns, where does that put makes BIPOC in that, mm. you know, it's, it, you know, it. I will, I will just use an example for, for my own self, uh, like I said, for being part of uh, Black Student Union in, in college, we would have walks or marches and demonstrating for uh, different things going on in the state. And there was always kind of this hesitation in the planning, I would say, per se, of that, that I, as someone who was lighter skin or, or makes that perhaps I did not have the voice to make it as impactful, but this was just a space for people who definitely present to be a bit darker. And there was that kind of feel, but when it came to the actual marching per se, it wasn't necessarily there. And then fast forward to now with Black Lives Matter, there have been obviously, you know, mostly people of color dominating that, but you have seen an uptick of non-Black allies, at least I hope they are, I can't judge their heart, of people participating in these marches and protests. And there has just been a mixture of feelings and thoughts and reflections on that. And I just wanted to kind of get your your take on that. I mean, I feel like you probably already see this coming. Um, <laughs> but in my mind, the importance for non-Black people being part of the Black Lives Matter protests is there needs to be a shift in mindset from being allies to Mm co-conspirators. But also a caution against centering or making it about you when it's not about you. For myself, I know and recognize that it is not at its heart about me. It's about Black people. I think it's important that I am a part of it because uh, my liberation is tied up in the liberation of all. And I think non-Black people in that particular protesting space, one, need to defer to the Black organizers I don't think that it should be something that is necessarily white organized. This is with the big asterisks about like solidarity protests in places that might not have a black population. I feel like that's a different thing and that's not what I'm talking about here. So deferring to black organizers to recognizing your your space, the space that you occupy and what it means. So something that I saw a lot of in the recent Black Lives Matter protests were white people putting their white bodies between the police and the black organizers or black folk who were part of the protest Mm. because they recognize that their level of privilege allows them something different um, when it comes to the police. And that's kind of the whole basis of the, of the protest. So physically putting your, your white body, um, in a protective space, I think is really important. Yeah. And I think, I think as mixed folk, there's always like a weird 
a weird place um, that you occupy, but I'm I'm not mixed with black, so I don't I don't have that same experience in the Black Lives Matter protests, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess there are like the three three kind of in my mind distinct camps. Like, there's the white folk, there's the non-black people of color, and there's black people. Um, so I fall into that that other category, and in my mind, any mixed people who are black occupy the same that same space particularly if you're black presenting because at the end of the day like a police officer isn't going to care what percentage Mm. of black you are if you look black Mm. 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 yes 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 i i agree i'm not even gonna i'm not i think the only thing i will add i i agree with you is that with our our non-black co-conspirators is that we need your we do need your presence. We do need you there. Like I said, it's it's about numbers. It's about that solidarity. And when you look upon the sea and you realize that it's not just Black voices saying that Black lives matter, there is an impact and a power. So we do need your your presence there. Uh, we also need your privilege there. Once again, mm. is, that, is that physical? So we need your presence. We need your privilege. That gives us power. Lots of peace here. But we 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 don't need you at the front of the line. Exactly. And, and, that, and that's what it is. I think to me, when I look at a protest, I look at the physical, like who's leading the way, because normally in a well-organized, that will, there will be those who are spearheading if it's a, it's a march, if it's a stand-in, if it's a boycott, there should be this resigning, you know, brain trust ahead of, of that. And I'm sorry, Boo Boo, your place is not at the front of the line. But we, yeah. we still need you. We need you firm in the middle. And we need you to also kick up the rear, but the front, the front row for, for this is not for you. And I think if you're okay with that, then please, if you feel like you cannot participate without interjecting, then that once again, that's that mindfulness. It's that critical thinking of figuring out where you actually need to be. And that's like, you have to take that time to really invest. If no one knew you showed up to this protest and participated, would you still want to? Yes, that is key, I think. And that is something that like I have seen so many well-intentioned folk Mm. who still need to like, wave that flag of all that they're doing so that you know how hard they're trying. And I think there is a level of introspection that needs to happen there. Mm-hmm. And we, we can't do that for you. All we can say is that this is how it looks on the outset of when you have to feel like you have to wave this particular flag. I have no problem with taking pictures, but when that's Look, look how many things I have done and said and, and organized and, and a part of to say how woke I am and how for the cause I am. You, you, you got to take a hard look at that, boo-boo. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's yes. a lot. Like anything else having to do with social justice, it's a lot. <laughs> That's true. It's true. It is a lot. But we don't say any of this to dissuade anyone. Mm-hmm. And I would like to also just throw out there that everyone is a work in progress Mm -hmm. like you aren't expected to like get everything perfect i know i don't get everything perfect as long as you're striving to understand more and be better and putting in the work then you don't have a whole lot to worry about in terms of this Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's not just like a kindness to yourself. It's just like I said, we're anything dealing with social justice has to I feel at the heart is about humanity and being a human involves mistakes. So 
come make mistakes along with us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Shall we shall we uh move on a little bit and uh, get mad at the internet? Yes, welcome her back, everybody. You know she's petty. You know she's always got something to say. Welcome back. Our favorite segment by not very popular, but somewhat popular demand, getting mad at the internet. Yes, and I, I think, are we are we shifting to just Danny and Damika get mad? <laughs> like, I think we should. I think we, we just get mad. And I think if we had not already been mad, I think we should get mad. It's mostly going to be at the internet because that's where we live right now. <laughs> yes. Is the internet not our world? Exactly. So, All yes. right, Tamika, tell me, what are we getting mad at today? So on brand, on topic, that might this might not always happen, but it just so happened to fit perfectly today. Uh, and it's a mixture of feelings like anything else that goes with the inauguration. And uh, not only was the 46th president uh, sworn in in our first woman slash first woman of color vice president elected in, but objectification also showed up today along she sat right in between JLo and Lady Gaga <laughs> with everything that had been happening in the week do you know what my my personal feed was flooded with who hmm. wore it best mm. that's always the question though right yeah these it's powerful, always a competition doctors based lawyers. off of how we look yeah doctors yeah. lawyers vice presidents professional artists and and the worst part is, do you want to know? I, I, I mean, the winner was obviously Michelle Obama. So I don't even know why we're even having this conversation. Uh, it's the winner in all things is Michelle <laughs> Obama. Like, with, but I told, I was like, I'm so upset with this objectification and this, this obviously you know, judging and categorizing women by the, by their outfits. But I also objectified Michelle Obama from time to time. That is a beautiful woman. So <laughs> like, I'm calling myself out, but I'm mostly calling the internet out. Mm. So what the heck, internet? <sighs> it just goes to show how much work there is to be done. The only, the only male whose outfit we talked about at all on the internet <laughs> was Bernie to yeah. bring it full circle. Yeah. That was the only one. Otherwise, it was all about what the women were wearing. Even when you're outside wearing a coat. Yes. I, a coat, guys. It was cold. And everyone's wearing dark colors normally. It's normally a black coat. So it's one of those things of like, I don't think it's bad to, especially if you're into fashion and it's fun and it's lovely. I loved it. I love seeing what they're going to wear. But to be the, ooh, 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 ooh. It was the comparison. Mm. That mm -hmm. was the problem I had. I had the, you know, making fun of Gaga and what was a point and oh, this is the, how unflattering that was for Hillary or, you know, all, all the things. It just, it was, it was the judgment and the comparison and not just like, she is wearing blah, 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 blah. It, it, it was, it was that. It was turning it into a fashion show. Yeah. I'm a big fan of taking pride in what you're wearing and mm. looking good so that you feel good. I'm I'm for it. So like, was I into the outfits? Sure. Mm. Yes. Am I ranking them? No. 
Like, I mean, aside from saying Michelle Obama's the best, but that has less to do with her actual <laughs> outfit yes. and more to just do with her as a person. Yeah, besides her just being a whole mood. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's like, it, that was not what the day was about. Yes, this was not some Grammy. This is not, um, this is not the Met Gala where that's the whole point. Yeah. But this was not that. This, comma, was not that. So... That was my my little bit of beef. Like here we are, elevating women and all this. Uh, it, that was it. That that made me a little a little grumpy. Yeah, and it it goes back just to say, one of my biggest issues with it too is the fact that it's once again about the objectification of women. Mm-hmm. Like it was not about it was not about talking about what everyone was wearing. It was about talking about what women whose main purpose is to serve being aesthetically pleasing to other people. Like, what were the women wearing? That's my problem with it. <sighs> Sometimes we, we go so far. And and then other times it's like, you know, seven steps forward, 12,000 steps backwards. But mm. over exaggeration. But there, there was a little bit of like that. It just puts a... Uh, you know, it was watching this and explaining to my daughter of like the, the gravity of it all. And then you just had that little kind of like back taste of like, oh, that's just a, that's a foul taste in my mouth. Yeah. But um, I mean, I would wear a giant dove pin. Samesies. I was like, I hope that comes out at Hot Topic. <laughs> <laughs> love, love, love. Shall we... Uh- flip this on its head and talk about what's making us happy yes we need to talk about all of our emotions we are it's a range a whole range of emotions Range, Tamika, what is making you happy? Uh, don't judge. <laughs> you know I will. I know this is what this relationship is about. So I, fi- I don't know if this is a finally. I don't know what this kind of guys. So my family got a switch. Yes. I, uh, I'm not a, a massive gamer. It is starting to turn into that. I. I'm enjoying it way more than I, I probably should. I'm it's it's a weird conundrum because on one hand I'm really super glad we got it. I think it's very user friendly. It's super cute. It's portable. My family likes it. Like I said, the weather here is rough. Uh, so even when you go out, you can't stay that long. And so it's just nice to do something. And it's yeah, it's really enjoyable. I'm gonna need y'all to come down on those prices for games. That's my my old woman. You got plug. you gotta play indie games, Tamika. Yeah, that's. What that's- it is. You can't play the major studio games. You have to play the indie games. Mm-hmm. I do They're have cheaper. A, they they totally are. It's so that I think that's I think that's what it is. And so it's um yeah, I've been really enjoying it. It's super duper cute. I we've been like mostly an Xbox family. So to get the a Nintendo is actually of any sort kind of in there. It's really super fun. I've really enjoyed it. Whenever I get a turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what is making you happy? Um, I have recently, so this requires just a tad bit of backstory. Oh, my um, favorite. My 
New Year's resolution, I guess, for lack of a better thing, (laughs) is I have decided to stop scrolling social media as much as possible. Like, I'm still going to be on Instagram, still going to do the things, but I, instead of it being my default, Mm. um, like, you know, when you have a couple minutes and you pick up your phone, like trying to inch away from just opening Instagram. And so so my solution to this was to start working on my kanji, my my Japanese reading, which is very, very bad at the moment. So I've been drilling kanji and like finding different things, different ways to practice that. And I picked up a a manga that was in Japanese that was, you know, pretty low level, easy, easy enough to read. And it was super adorable. And then I ended up going through this rabbit hole where I discovered that it was also an anime. And so me and my husband started watching this anime that is, I have no idea who it's directed to children uh, maybe who knows <laughs> the japanese is super simple super easy but the characters are really cute and it is it is a show in which nothing happens <laughs> for, love for, it for you seinfeld fans there's like <laughs> not really not really any conflict like a little bit of conflict but it's not it's just these Characters existing and being adorable. Okay, so the show is called Shirokuma Cafe, which means a polar bear cafe. Yes! It is about a bunch of animals who exist in this world where humans also exist and kind of just live side by side and just them interacting. The main characters are a polar bear, a panda, a penguin. They all hang out at... at the polar bears cafe. Yes. The panda gets a job working at the zoo. <laughs> like this is as amazing. a panda. Yeah. Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah. He's a part-time panda. There's also a full-time panda who works there. <laughs> it's just really cute and just like so precious. And like, we have fallen in love with this show in which nothing happens. You need that though. Like, I think we just talked about at the top of the show, how, each week seems to be another huge monument in history that I can see why your brain would be like, oh, nothing happens in this show. Yes, I need that. That is so beautiful. Yeah, this episode that we just watched last night, Panda shows up uh, dressed as Darth Vader to, <laughs> to, the, to the cafe. And everyone's like, why are you dressed like that? And he's like, oh, I just want to be bad. Being bad is cool. Um <laughs> And so the uh, polar bear on like, you know, a night where the cafe is closed is like, hey, let's go out. I'm going to introduce you to someone who's bad. And they go to a friend of his, Grizzly, Grizzly Bear, (laughs) to his bar. And he's like, you know, this bad guy, all like tough guy, motorcycle riding. Um, Yeah, (laughs) that's it. It's like it's so... Perfection. It's just so perfection, so sweet. Um, probably not for everyone, but definitely for me in this moment. Oh, love, 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 love. And now I have a picture of you and Ian sitting on the couch l- looking at part-time pandas. And because he doesn't want to stress himself out too much. He don't want to stretch himself out too, too, too thin. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. 
that is so so good so if you're stressed and you're you're over it so play some play some games some indie games and your wallet will thank us and also your mind will thank us and watch some really super cute anime yes yes animals can't go wrong with animals or video games i feel like love it and that's the takeaway of the whole show really yeah (laughs) and really both of these things we're talking about are from japan all goes back to japan tamika nintendo (sighs) and uh apparently it has to be on the list apparently i need to go there Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know my thoughts take me if you go (laughs) got the perfect suitcase for you All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, We'd love to hear from you how you're all coping in this time. And you can let us know via email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. We're also on social media, though I highly encourage you to think about taking a step away from social media as much as possible this year. We are on Facebook, Biracial Unicorns, and we are on Instagram at Biracial Unicorns and on Twitter at Biracial Magic. We want to give a huge shout out to our artist who's done our very iconic unicorn, which is the Dolly Pop art. Then there's also going to be Joseph Scott, who's done our intro and outro music and also So Smith Photography that's done some beautiful photos for us in the past as well. Please follow them on their social medias, but then also do that real quick and then get off. And if you want to get hold of, just email us and then you don't have to do all the other things. So, yeah, yes. if you want to write us a review and then get off the Internet, that we would also appreciate that as well. Yes. Write us a review. Tell your friends. Subscribe. All the things. Yeah. We look forward to connecting with you throughout 2021. <laughs> awesome. All right, y'all. We'll be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode. Mm -hmm. All right. Peace. Out.